Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who would also date a mindless himbo, destroying all their friendships in the process if the height <laughs> difference was sizable enough. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions. And we hey. haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film and an attempt to answer the question are these movies actually good and at the end of the day do we really care if they are today we are talking about 2006's disney channel original movie read it and weep new on disney dvd geek you're blocking my locker to survive high school jamie created an imaginary alter ego i am the great isabella is for short if you're not going to be nice then be gone but now Jamie's imagination isn't just running wild. It's been set free. It's a book? Holy cow. Sweet. Kay and Danielle Pennebaker star in a Disney Channel original movie, including an exclusive music video, Read It and We, now on Disney DVD. Okay, hi everyone. Did you hi. miss us? <laughs> we are back. It's officially season five. We have our shiny new artwork. I hope you're enjoying the experience of looking at it as you're listening. I think it's cute. Yeah. Good job, Audrey. We've had a whole uh, brand branding revamp. Like, yes. I changed literally everything that could be changed. So I hope if you're watching this and not just listening, I hope you're enjoying the new graphic at the beginning and what we're surrounded <laughs> by is different. So, yes, I mean, I love doing that kind of thing. So it's fun. Oh, that's Audrey's passion. She like <laughs> makes branding and then just sends it unsolicited and is like, he he, I made this. <laughs> and it's amazing. We also uh, changed two pink pictures to two pink productions, which is also a change if you want to mm -hmm. remark on that. Yeah, we um, we changed our Instagram account name to at sleepover cinema instead of at two pink pictures because it just started to really not make sense. Like for a long time, we, yeah. were, we were like, we're going to keep two pink pictures because that was the original name. We created the account back in like, 2017 um, for film projects. And then we, since we had a little bit of a, you know, following, not actually, but a, a little bit of a following there when we started the podcast, we were like, oh, let's just put it all on there. But now the mm -hmm. account is just like for the podcast. So it didn't yeah. really make sense anymore. So now we have an yeah. at two pink productions Instagram account as well. We love having 45 Instagram accounts. <laughs> Also, since we last spoke to you guys, we both had pretty major projects see the light of day in one way or another. The documentary that Audrey directed and I helped with uh, had a had three screenings at the Cleveland International Film Festival, two of which included Q&As that we got to stand on stage with microphones, and one of which involved a actual show choir coming and performing after the screening of the documentary, which was really exciting overall good time and then to well we're this is happening today because we're recording it today but we're we're live streaming bedroom culture which we've been talking about um mm -hmm. in the past few episodes yeah we've been talking about it and now it's in the past but <laughs> if you want to watch it and you missed the live stream feel free to mm -hmm. dm us we can send you that link 
before we get into discussing 2006's Read It and Weep, it's time for our favorite segment, Hot Take of the Week. But we've kind of expanded Hot Take of the Week conceptually to include advice, opinions on whatever we want uh, or whatever you guys want to hear us talk about, which I'm excited for. I love advice shows. So seriously, if you ever want Random advice, please write in because I live for that kind of thing. So, Audrey, what do we have today? The hot take of the week comes from Anna (laughs) Sunderman, and it's really good. She asks, okay, so F. Mary Kill, classic Bath and Body Works Sense (laughs) edition. (laughs) Okay. So, cucumber melon sweet pea and vanilla sugar mary cucumber melon for sure uh-huh. Uh-huh. um f vanilla sugar and kill sweet pea <laughs> <laughs> is sweet pea that bad no i had it and i actually kind of mm-hmm. liked it it grew on me over time but i i remember that it like kind of also gave, gave me a headache <laughs> so okay okay Cucumber melon is elite. So marry cucumber melon, probably kill vanilla. F sweet pea. Even though (laughs) I don't really know what that one smells like, but I don't really like vanilla scented body things. It's kind of a weird combination. It's like, why would you want to smell? It's like, why you wouldn't want to smell like chocolate. I mean, maybe (laughs) they did make those, um, you know, those chocolate scented eyeshadow palettes and stuff, which begs the question, do your eyes smell like chocolate? I don't think my eyelids smell like chocolate when I wear them, but you can like put your finger in it and then lick it (laughs) and it tastes like chocolate. Audrey, are you ready to get into the details surrounding 2006's Read It and Weep? Yep. So, Read It and Weep was released on July 21st, 2006 on the Disney Channel, and uh, it's rated G, which to me, I'm like, it's a TV movie. How is it rated G? But when I looked it up, they described it as rated G. Um, This movie was directed by Paul Hohen, who uh, has directed, like, a lot of things for Disney, but I compiled a little list. Let It Shine, Camp Rock 2, Andy Mac. He also directed... Z-O-M-B-I-E-S, zombies, but it's spelled out for some reason. A lot of, like, random episodes of Disney shows here and there. The show Jonas he directed a lot of. He also directed Cheetah Girls One World, a bunch of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, probably my favorite show from this era, Luck of the Irish, Even Stevens, Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart. I think all of it, which is kind of crazy. This movie was produced by Don Shane, who... Produced a movie called Frozen in 2010, but it's not the Frozen you would think of for 2010, which I thought was funny. He also produced all three High School Musicals, Minutemen, Dad Napped, Life is Rough, Go Figure, Pixel Perfect, Halloween Town High, Return to Halloween Town, so on and so forth. One of the go-to people for uh, Disney Channel original movies, clearly. And then we have Sherry Singer, who produced Perfect High, Girl vs. Monster, Return to Halloween Town, and Halloween Town cowbells, and then basically everything else that Don produced, she produced in conjunction with him. 
The teleplay, as they described it, was written by Patrick J. Clifton and Beth Ragazio, who uh, wrote Freak Show, Rush, Raising Helen, and Son-in-Law together. And then Beth additionally wrote Go Figure. So good for her. And then last but not least, this movie was based upon the novel written by Julia DeVillers. And this movie is her only IMDb credit thus far. Um, Apparently, she and her twin sister wrote something called Trading Faces, and that's going to be a movie. So that sounds cute. But um, she's written a ton of fiction and like fiction for young girls and then a lot of nonfiction for young girls. That's a It's like self-empowerment type stuff, which I thought was interesting. Audrey, would you like to read the synopsis? <laughs> when her journal is accidentally published and becomes an overnight success, Jamie cannot help but get caught up in her newfound celebrity status. Between book signings, interviews, and her new boyfriend, Jamie struggles to find a balance between her old life and her new one. She doesn't want to lose her friends or change who she is, but she can't escape is the star of her novel and her alter ego who is pushing her to embrace her life as a celebrity. (laughs) That's the Disney Plus synopsis and they really do a good job. So I had to pull it from there. Audrey, I have really bad news about the taglines. (laughs) I feel like, did you happen to Google like a movie cover or like some sort of like a promotional imagery? Because sometimes that's where you see see Well, on the back, on the back of the DVD, it says, find out what teen angst is really all about. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the closest. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We're going to get this cast. So I found some interesting information about this cast that I wanted to include. So first of all, we have Kay Panabaker as Jamie the star of this movie. She's best known for having played Jenny Garrison in 2009's Fame, Nikki Westerly in Summerland, Georgie in the Emma Roberts, Nancy Drew, and Samantha in Cyberbully, which was like an ABC Family original movie. And I really want to cover that movie at some point in our, uh, our time together making this podcast. Her most recent IMDb credit is a voice acting role, and it was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 3. However, since then, she has retired from acting and is now a zoologist and works at the Animal Kingdom in Disney. I actually (laughs) knew that, yeah. (laughs) I kind of knew she was a zoologist, but I didn't know she worked at Animal Kingdom. I thought that was weird because she was like a Disney actor and now she works for Animal Kingdom. But I looked at her Instagram just to see kind of like what was up with her, and I encountered this like very weird post that she made like right when the pandemic hit and uh it was posted on april 11th 2020 and it's her as like a child in a sea world tank like happily posing next to a beluga whale (laughs) and this was the caption september 08 I was supposed to be in Oregon shooting a movie whose funding had fallen through. My mom wanted to get my mind off of the anxiety and took me to SeaWorld San Diego for a behind-the-scenes tour. I had no idea I would be a zookeeper myself 10 years later. But this was a momentous occasion in my life. I bonded with Rosie, a beluga whale who was slowly getting over the loss of her baby. This is a very difficult time for so many people. My heart hurts for everyone, people and animals, that have been so drastically affected by this pandemic. Stay home so we can all get back to caring for those who matter most to us. Oh, and I just thought cute. it was no, it's sweet. It's sweet, but I was like, how are you making this about you posing with a beluga whale in 2008? Because that's her connection to her followers. That's why they follow her. Mm, 
okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and then I wrote down in the outline, she's clearly happy with her life. I'm not trying to shit on her. I just thought that that was a really weird thing to have posted like less than a month into the pandemic. <laughs> the Panda Baker sisters are like those daughters in church. Do you know what I mean? Like they have this image, like they just remind me of like super neutral human beings that go to church yes. every Sunday and you see them there every Sunday and you just don't know anything about them, but they're there. Yeah. We used to go to church because our dad is Christian and our mom doesn't care. Um, <laughs> but we would go, I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I left the house to go get bagels like first thing. And it reminded me of when we used to get bribed to go to church with Panera. Yeah. Back when Panera was good. Yeah, I like would fiend for the raspberry brisk iced tea. Like it was all I wanted. It was such a good time. I miss that era so much. And like when you get the, the hunk of the baguette, who could ask for more? <laughs> okay. Anyway, next up we have Danielle Panabaker as is. Um, she's best known for her role in The Flash. She was also in Sky High as like the very pretty like Earth adjacent superhero girl. Who could forget that role? She was also in Stuck in the Suburbs, which I did not remember. Um, but that's another one we have to do. She was also in Friday the 13th, Empire Falls, Justified, and Shark. Looked her up on Instagram too, and she has 3.9 million followers. And uh, I just found that to be really surprising. But I guess that The Flash is a big deal, but it's very far outside of my realm of like comprehension. She's currently pregnant. She's really pretty and she seems to be thriving. So good for her. Next up, we have Alexandra Krosny as Harmony. She was in Last Man Standing and Psych and Emily Owens, MD. Next up, we have Marquise C. Brown as Lindsay. She was Chandra in Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. She was also in Strange Angel and Scandal. Next up, we have Allison Scagliotti as Sawyer. And when I like saw her in the pictures for this movie, I was like, she's that bitch, but I can't remember why. But then I realized that she was Mindy in Drake and Josh. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Who is like the mean science fair rival of Josh, but then they end up dating. <laughs> yeah. She also... <laughs> I knew her immediately. Like, she's in yeah. my head so clearly in Drake and Josh because yes. I thought they were cute. Like, I actually thought they were... They were cute. Yeah. I, Drake and Josh was good. I feel like it probably hasn't aged well, but I really liked that show at the time. The only thing that about it that... I, that is that comes up a lot that hasn't aged well is just like the um kind of unconsented kissing that goes on yeah yeah There's like a lot of it I feel like Drake was like weirdly horny for a kid's show yeah it was yeah that's what I remember Anyway, back to Allison Scagliotti. She also was in Stitchers, Vampire Diaries, in a small role, Smallville, and Warehouse 13. Okay, and then last but not least, we have Jason Dolly as Connor. Um, he was in Good Luck Charlie, Minutemen, Courting in the House, and Hatching Pete alongside... Mitchell Musso. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell Musso from Hannah Montana. But I put the poster artwork in the script because... If I had to see it, Audrey has to see it. I didn't um, it, forget it. <laughs> it looks like Jason Dolly stopped uh, or uh, stepped off the set of um, Read It and Weep and immediately filmed Hatching Pete based off his haircut in this image. Um, 
But really, when I hear the name Jason Dolly, I think of the fact that when me and Audrey were kids, we had a soccer ball that Audrey would call Jason Bolly. <laughs> and not only that, uh, we had some like letter stickers and I literally put Jason Bolly on it. Like it was written on it. Okay. So um, budget, Audrey, would you like to uh, cover this section? It's a pretty boring section as it was on television. So we don't know the exact budget and there won't be a real critic opinion or critic score because it premiered on TV. Here are some random critical blurbs from Rotten Tomatoes. The ultimate moral is to stay true to oneself, but that message feels diluted here considering the subtext. (laughs) The second one is even the most inept viewer will have little difficulty in figuring out precisely where the film is going at all times. (laughs) It's pretty true. Yeah. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, actually, there is one point where I highly disagree with that. And we'll get we'll talk about it in the second half. uh Audience score and audience consensus. So uh, this movie got an audience score of 66%. Fine. And for audience opinions, I picked a few. The first one is three out of five stars. And they said, I think I've seen it, dot, 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 dot. And that was the whole comment. Next up, we have three stars. Not a bad, average, forgettable decom with some similar elements and almost the same level of enjoyment as another decom, Cowbells. And then they said, B minus, full review coming soon. Because we're all hanging (laughs) on this person's every word. And then uh, (laughs) lastly, we have 2.5 stars. It used to be acceptable when I was 10. I uh, went on Twitter and just looked up the name of the movie to see like what people have tweeted about it in like recent years. And um, I discovered a theme quite quickly, which is that everyone's very hung up on her proto iPad tablet situation that she uses. So here's, here are a few tweets. Picture this. The year is 2006. Read It and Weep just premiered on Disney Channel. You beg your parents to buy you a $1,400 convertible laptop so that you can become an author just like Jamie. Your parents laugh in your face. Your life is ruined. It's a tweet from Brittany Exolin. Next up we have taking research notes on my iPad, but pretending I'm illustrating my fictionalized journal like Jamie from the classic Disney Channel original movie, Read It and Weep. That one comes from Sweet Pea Soup. And then lastly, the only reason I ever wanted a tablet computer was because I saw the Disney Channel original movie, Read It and Weep, and I wanted to be able to write and draw a journal in the form of bad self-insert fic that might accidentally get published from Paul Anderson XO. And then people saying she was schizophrenic in several tweets. So that's the discourse online. And Audrey, will you contextualize this moment in history for us? Same year, um, Cowbells came out, uh, Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior, and Cheetah Girls 2, as well as Hannah Montana, Beginning, like that, the TV show, also, not the movie. Also High School Musical debuted. Yeah. Yeah. Also High School Musical, um, Phil of the Future, Sweet Life, even Stevens nearing the end of its run, um, Lizzie McGuire nearing the end of its run. And this is when the Disney Channel games would happen. I think that was in the summer. And mm-hmm. it was like a huge crossover event, like definitely <laughs> yeah. our Avengers type of thing. But what's funny yes. is I don't 
actually remember watching the games themselves. I just remember the like before and after, like them Mm -hmm. getting ready to play the games, but not actually the games, which says a lot. I'm actually pretty sure that there wasn't even like a program for it. I think it was just like, you know, commercial channel. They didn't have. Yeah. Like they didn't have commercials for anything other than their own shows, which I always thought was like the biggest flex. I was like, imagine having that much money that you like don't even need advertisers. And then just like a couple like bigger picture things from 2006. Um, Shiloh Jolie Pitt was named the top, the quote unquote top baby born in 2006. Shiloh was the first biological child of A-list couple Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. In the summer of 2006, Lance Bass came out as gay publicly. Love that for him. In February 2006, Dick Cheney shot someone on a uh, weekend quail hunt on a friend's South Texas ranch. Borat came out and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy, which was very controversial. The Crocodile Hunter died. And 2006 was the beginning of the decline of Britney Spears. So partying with Paris, going out without underwear, losing custody of her children, and splitting up with Kevin Federline. It was a dark moment in the Britney Spears timeline, but that's what was happening in 2006. When did we first watch this movie? When did we last watch this movie? And what do we remember about it? First time was probably in 2006, I would Mm -hmm. imagine. We Um, probably watched the premiere. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's yeah. it's one of those decoms where like it didn't actually leave that much of uh like it wasn't one that I was going to seek out after the fact. Like if it's on, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to like <laughs> yeah. seek it out or like buy the DVD. Yeah. Definitely watched it when it first came out, and then I actually watched it like maybe two years ago because um, I liked this movie, I think, more than Audrey because I've always been, like, a really religious journal keeper. And obviously this movie is highly unrealistic, but there was something about the, like, idealized older version of a character that was appealing to me. And it's actually really a foundational influence of um, the play I just wrote, like, the whole imaginary older version of yourself type thing. The other things I remember from when I watched it, like as a kid was the pizza restaurant. Also, um, Kay Panabaker not being that good. I also remember Mindy because in my mind, she's just Mindy from Drake and Josh being evil Jason Bali, who could forget? And um, I remember, I could remember her vaguely like revealing her truth on a Today Show-esque program. It's on Disney Plus. It's very accessible. It's short, but it feels long as fuck because so much happens, but it is short. So um, if you want to give it a little rewatch, um, you should. And then you can meet us back here for some discussion. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. 
I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Okay, everyone, we are back to discuss our findings from our, our, from our viewing of 2006's. our film. (laughs) Surprise, we we produced and wrote this at the age of 11 and 9. Really, we could have, though, to be totally honest, all things considered. I just want to start off this conversation by saying... That this movie does not deserve the original song Outside Looking In by Jordan Pruitt at all. No. At all. That song is so good. To the point where I like attributed it to a different movie. Like I thought that because Jordan Pruitt had her moment with Jump In as well, Mm -hmm. they used her in both. So I like didn't, I wasn't even like sure where that song came from, but it comes from this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I was like, so I, right before I watched it, because I think about that song all the time, because there's a lot to, like, we make fun of it, but it's also a good song. I'm bored and all alone. (laughs) Bored and all alone. Her like, her, uh. Like Corinne Bailey Ray aspirations yeah. or whatever. Uh, I'm tired of staying at home. I'm bored and all alone. That song, if it wasn't a Disney Channel song, it would certainly be a song you would hear in Ruby Tuesday, in my opinion. Yeah. The fact that this movie is called Read It and Weep <laughs> is <laughs> such a weird choice. Yeah, like, because that's not the name of the book it's based off of. Like the the end moment of the movie when it's sort of like a story within a story thing. It's like right. how my journal became the number one best-selling book, but they don't call the movie that. No. They create that at the end of the movie. Like it's it's weird. Well, and the weird thing too is that the name of the source material that they adapted the movie from was a young adult novel called How My Personal Private Journal Became a National yeah. Bestseller. So yeah. I was like, did they really just want to like capitalize on like the common phrase, read it and weep that I badly? I think they did. <laughs> also, I just think it's funny because it's like, read it and weep. Like, that's such a bleak name for a Disney Channel original movie. (laughs) Like, that just was really funny to me. Well, okay, I always appreciated the two friends in this movie because normally in DCOMs, the best friend characters, the secondary and, you know, tertiary characters will not have a great personality. Well, they won't even have a personality. They won't even have interests. Like, they're just kind of there to be like, what do you think of this? What do you, okay, what are we going to do? Or just like, you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, you don't actually care about their friendship. And I think 
on the scale of caring about the friendship, this one is a little bit higher than most DCOMs. They at least have character traits other than being friends with her. I agree, but you also don't really care, in my opinion, you don't really care about like their friendship with Jamie. You care more about the success of their political actions <laughs> yeah. as but a it's duo. Nice to it's nice to have that. I mean, usually yeah. Yeah. you don't even know anything about them. Like they yeah. don't have political aspirations. Yeah. It actually reminded me a lot of like if you took Lily Moskovitz from Princess Diaries, split her up into two people and then made them nice. Yeah. <laughs> that it reminded me of that. The extras just standing around going like this, yeah. like zapping. Because the whole yeah. thing is that she's in her journal. She's created this like witches and wizards, magical high school hierarchy world where, you know, the main character is can just zap zap people away basically yes. and so when everybody in the school is reading her journal <laughs> they're all just the most bored looking extras on the <laughs> planet just kind of doing this like half jazz hands yep this movie came out two years after mean girls you can't uh -huh. completely not see a parallel between mean girls as far as taking a the burn book, making copies and distributing it throughout the yeah. school. It has a similar thing going on, but the reaction that the students have to it in Read It and Weep, it doesn't make any sense. No, like, it doesn't. If that happened, high schoolers, they might read it, but they will just make fun of you. They're definitely not going to love you as though you are like the author of Harry Potter in 2006. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not the same. No. Um, and they're no. like running up to her, wanting her autograph and stuff. And this whole thing of like a child author, like you're not Yes, famous. I had that written down too. I had that written down too. I was like, child authors aren't really a thing. I wrote that down under know. notable. <laughs> but you know, and I don't really get why. Like why aren't child authors a thing? Because children's writing is not usually good. <laughs> but like children's acting isn't usually good either. There's a director. There's a larger project asking them to act that is done by adults. It's not like, <laughs> like there's no like child directing auteurs. <laughs> but like there could be. Couldn't there? I'm not saying there shouldn't be. I'm just saying that is not typically done <laughs> yes it's yet to be accomplished yeah can't we get like a literal nepotism baby like a baby <laughs> like an actual baby <laughs> yeah. they're like yeah we have this two-year-old directing the next a24 <laughs> indie other things i had under enjoy well i don't enjoy it exactly but i appreciated how horrible all their font choices were just unrelentingly bad font choices um Iz's outfits were very good for the era I thought that she looked really cute um the lip gloss yes so shiny so shiny so shiny so shiny I appreciated how pretty and snatched and young the mom was but it also goes into bad because I was like are we supposed to believe that she could have like a 14-year-old? Because I don't really think I believe that. I kind of believe that. 
She, I feel like she's like 40-ish. I don't know about all that. Because I really looked at her, like I tried to look at her like in isolation without comparing her to anyone else in the movie. And I was like, she's probably like 26. Well, I think she to- just looks really good. I think she looks good, but she's like 38. Even then though, I guess you would have to be a young mother. A relatively yeah. young mother. Like a 23-year-old mother. The fact that when... Uh, what is that song called? On the Outside Looking In. When yes. that song is played in the movie it's like Lenny listening to it alone I know and I was like that's amazing I was, I was also I like, love that you mean to tell me that your like pop punk brother is like gently listening to outside looking in alone in his room like okay that was I loved that though um yeah And then, yeah, Lenny's song, kind of a banger, actually. I agree. I agree. It was great. Marco, the, like, hot, dumb guy, he was really giving me, like, 2006 Zac Efron energy with the, like, mountains in the background. Like, this, even the school reminded me of East High, like, in High School Musical. And so it was, like, him with that hair and the zip-up. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. And the mountains. I was, like... Okay, that's where we were at, culturally. I thought it was really funny when Mindy said weak sauce in full seriousness. <laughs> I keep calling her Mindy. Her character's not Mindy. What's her character's name? Sawyer. Sawyer. It doesn't okay. matter. It doesn't. She's Mindy. Jason Dolly, but I'm going to call him Jason Bolly because that's just correct to me. When he's sitting at the lunch table just holding the sandwich but not eating it like (laughs) you know it's like in lunchtime scenes that happens all the time like people have food but they're like kind of pretending to eat it instead of actually eating it but I was just very aware of the fact that he was just like gripping this sandwich in front of his face (laughs) um what do you think of their like their like friend group as a whole like his dynamic with the two girls that aren't Jamie like, what does he but even I, do? I don't know why he likes her so much. Dude, she's a she's crazy, the worst. crazy person. <laughs> she's really insufferable. Like, I, they never explain why he likes her or show why he likes her. When the seaweed falls, the way that Mindy screams bloody murder and holds her hands up in front of her like she's melting in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that was definitely the direction. It was like, be the most extra you possibly can. Yes, it was great. For them to make the choice in the movie to shoot shots where she is speaking to no one. Yeah. And then and then switch to looking at is. So it's like, yeah. well, this is what she's seeing versus how other people see her. Like, you really could have not done that. And the movie would have made a lot more sense. Like, if we yeah. just saw what was in her head. And that's actually a good, like, representation of what it can be like to have a judgmental voice in your head. Who yes. is making you overthink things and making you act different. And, yeah. all, like, that. that is real. Especially in like middle school and high school like you can yes. definitely have that judgmental voice in your head or like a cool girl voice uh-huh 
Um, but so the, the, the choice to take it to the next level and show her walking down the sidewalk talking to no one is crazy. I totally agree. And it was funny because it comes back to the classic sleepover cinema question, including uh, or surrounding diegesis. And I was yeah. like, OK, so it's non-diegetic is but extremely diegetic talking to is. I just thought that yeah. was interesting. And it, they even address it. Like the brother at some points, like, yeah, you're just standing in your room talking to yourself. Like, <laughs> shouldn't that be the subplot of the movie that they're like, she's losing it. Like, it's interesting, too, how like as soon as she gets the guy or whatever, and then she starts living the lifestyle with the guy <laughs> and they're like sitting at a lunch table that has trash on it. To question <laughs> mark. Um she, like, realizes that he's dumb because he, like, wants to eat her food. <laughs> like, what? There's a lot going on in that whole situation where I'm like, you kind of deserve each other, but also... Yeah, like, you you kind of do. And and this movie is supposed to be, um, you know, kind of fighting for the nice guy trope. It's like, go for the nice guy or whatever. Yeah. Um, the brother, also, the brother of Jason Bali is, like, way too <laughs> Why old. Why is he so old? Yeah. You can see that he's like slightly balding and I'm like, what is this family situation? Like, is this like big brothers, big sisters of America? Is it his actual, is it his actual older brother? Like, and um, if your brother was that much older than you and he was asking you to do his laundry for a simple favor, I think we've got other problems. Like, also, if your older brother is calling you squirt a lot, (laughs) Run. That's also problematic. (laughs) Yeah, run. Uh, That's not your brother. (laughs) That's not your brother. The story arc is really bad. The screenplay is really, really bad. I could get into a lot of questions about that, but um, I'm maybe just not going to. I just feel like they made this movie in like 20 minutes. It's like the first take of everything is what they went with. The part where they put on the makeup that's supposedly bad for the environment because it te- it like tests on animals. But then when there's like a face reveal and then they both just have on like half really dark foundation. I miss that part. <laughs> Jamie and Harmony are trying on this makeup and then their other friend comes over and is like, don't put that on. It's tested on animals. And then, and then they're like, oh shit, okay. And then they walk away and Mindy comes by and is like, you look stupid. And then they turn <laughs> around and it's just half their faces are like brown. <laughs> no way. The logic there is that for some reason, because the makeup is tested on animals, it would be bad makeup. Like it would look wrong, you know? Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. It, it, it doesn't fully. make sense. No. I thought it was really funny and uh, bad when, you know, like after she goes on like the Today Show adjacent thing and she like somehow like totally ruins her own life by like saying all this random shit under, I think what we're supposed to understand is like the influence of is, but it makes no sense. And also when she was like, (laughs) is this about my life? Like, oh my God, like, is, am I, am I is like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you mean is it about your life? It's your journal. Of course it's about your life. Like if you're calling it your journal, 
is it fiction or is it your journal, Jamie? You know what I'm saying? That was just confusing to me. It's not really her journal. Like, it's not a, because it's like, it's like this exaggerated fictionalized world. It's like true, you know, it's not, it's not nonfiction. Like, it is fiction. <laughs> but she calls it her diary. The point is, the point is that after she reveals her truth, when she walks into school with the, with the Bob wig and the guy like kind of jostles into her and you can just see her fully snatch her own wig and spin <laughs> around. I was like, they couldn't have come up with some better blocking for this. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Something that all these movies really lack, like most of them, is a realistic portrayal of um like a school buzzing about something yes like whatever is going on it it always has to be this like horde of really bored looking extras <laughs> g- g- going like yeah 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 that is Horn. not how bullying works <laughs> no no it's not it's like way more shady and like quiet Yeah, it's more like, it's really about isolation. I think uh, bullying in DCOMs is often portrayed as like a big ganging up situation where everybody just like rolls up in the hallway at one time and is like, ha, 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 ha. But the the perspective (laughs) of you pointing was like, it was like IMAX 3D, like... (laughs) And then they'll just be like, you don't know how it feels. It's like... First of all, everybody's talking about you and everybody's around. Like, it's not an isolated experience. Like, she's not a loser. She's not a loner. She's not on the outside looking in. She's at the center of the storm. She's in the eye of the hurricane. In the eye of the the hurricane, Lynn manuel (laughs) walks in. It it doesn't make any sense. I totally agree. It makes me want you to do your Lynn manuel voice. But I can't even do it. Like, don't try it. I'm not try even good it. at it. <laughs> okay, but the point, the point is that it sounds like him. In the eye of a hurricane. <laughs> the point of all this is we've made a lot of fun of Lin-Manuel for a long time, but we also made fun of him before it was a thing to make fun of him. Let me just. I'm talking. I'm talking at his height when we were just purely haters. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Well, it was like we were like it kind of happened because we were both in New York when Hamilton like hit basically. So it was like we were yeah. entering the raffle every day, and then like somewhere along that path we realized that he was like very douchey, and then we started like making fun of him. Yeah. Um, and then like one and a half to two years later. Everyone else got on the same page. It was that hard thing of like, do I know all the words? Am I entering the raffle every day? Are every bitch on the planet has Redbubble (laughs) Hamilton stickers on their laptops? Like, I remember looking at (laughs) that in class. Every bitch on the planet. (laughs) That was such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, there were like dorm themed events that had to do with Hamilton. Like it was unavoidable yeah. at that time. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think partially the oversaturation, we just, we were, we were getting hammered with it. Like, yes, just, we were. There was no escape. Anyway. Yeah. So let me, well, side tangent there. The whale fight made no sense to me. If you are looking to change people's minds, if you are looking to make a political statement, why would you release 
seaweed onto the goers of the dance. That will the only goers? make <laughs> that the will attendees? only make people pissed off and hate yeah. you and not want to hear anything you have to say and also ruin their night. So maybe that's not the move. They're they're part of the Gorilla Girls art movement, Audrey. They're yeah, not like- here to make people feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess that is the idea, which is, like, kind of great. Yeah. Um, but they haven't made their message clear in any way. Like, no. what are they trying to say? No. Why did the teacher at the dance think that Jamie made the whale? Because Jamie is the one that had the girls sign up to be a part of the decorations committee. Oh, and then she flaked on the decorations yeah. committee? Got it. Okay, okay. I was yeah. I was a little confused about that. Her chasing after Jason Bali just so they can like <laughs> have a weird moment in the parking lot. Yeah. And it's just also kinda... the way that she chases him out there, she's like clip clop clip clop clip clop. Like so weird to watch. In her like curls that are way too tight that need yes. to be brushed out. Yeah, her like extremely like shellacked within an inch of its life barrel curls. Personally, I I appreciated them. We haven't even touched on the pizza business, which is just oh, like another oh, I have aspect. shit about the pizza business. <laughs> My main things are at the end when they're like seaweed pizza is the thing. But when you see them eating the pizza, they're not even biting into the seaweed. They're biting <laughs> no, into everything else. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not like the sauce is infused with seaweed. This is a topping. <laughs> are they not just picking it off? They want to like the pizza. What we've learned is it's not about the pizza. It's about the cultural context of the pizzeria. It's about is Jamie there? For some reason, they yeah. want to be at the pizzeria where the weird girl wrote her book. Her hateful fan fiction about her own life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it either. Also, I thought that the uh, attractiveness level of the dad compared to the mom was was. Misogynistic. <laughs> yeah. It was not I mean, okay. He's a, he's a lovable dad because of what's, uh, what was it? Even Stevens, right? Yeah. 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 But also, but also, why does the dad get more of an arc than like a lot of the main characters? <laughs> I don't know. And he's like not really worth viewing. <laughs> No, I agree. Yeah, like that moment where he like turns off the lights in the pizza parlor and it's like it's donezo for the pizza parlor. <laughs> and then all and then Jamie comes in and is like, I have some friends here for some pizza. <laughs> Me and Jason Volley rounded up the troops. <laughs> you okay, we I feel like we have like a Nikon cool pics picture of Jason Bali. <laughs> And I, f- I think we could probably find it if we tried hard enough. I could draw it. <laughs> An artist's rendering of Jason Bali. It's like, um, it's like when you're what it looked like. <laughs> Me too. I remember the stickers, like the kind of font yeah. it was. That was like in our era of being like peak stupid because yeah. we had moved pretty recently and we basically like only had each other and our like extremely air conditioned basement. So we would just be doing like dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. I will draw Jason Bali. I'll make it happen. Because I remember it was a soccer ball and it was like red and black. Like I remember mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah, it was white. But it actually, it might have been a volleyball. I think it was a volleyball because it didn't have like the octagons. Like uh-huh. a soccer ball. It had like the strips. Yeah, I think it was a volleyball. 
I just have one last question for the culture, if you will, which is, okay, you know how, like, in this movie, they're, like, the populars. Like, they're really heavy-handed with, like, popular as a concept. Do you feel like that's died out? Because now it's, like, a singular mean girl at most. But even then, you don't really have mean girls the way that you used to. Recently, a few days ago, a new documentary about the rise and fall of Abercrombie came out. And, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. But the um, companies like Abercrombie and Hollister and Victoria's Secret and basically just those evil mastermind men of literally of Columbus, Ohio, because it's all from the limited. Like everything came from there. Shout out to our mom for refusing (laughs) to let us buy things from the limited in high school. Yeah. (laughs) In middle school. They created a really, really, really toxic environment for teenagers. Yeah. Because the marketing that seeped into all of our brains was about exclusion and it was about elitism and popularity and conformity and labels and And size. And size totally Mm -hmm. and whiteness and skinniness and it was it was beyond fucked. And we were all kids just trying to get through school, basically. And you you're just obviously less susceptible to how you're being marketed to when you are a teen because you just wanna even if you can see it, you don't want to see it. It's like, let me just live in this illusion. And but that um reality seeped into the media as well. Yeah, and it became uh, about social hierarchies within children's movies as well. Yeah. Which is, is that not the exact opposite of what children need to be taught? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of bizarre when you think yeah. about all of the adults who encouraged that sort of thinking. Yeah. Um, I think, like, what they are trying to portray is that, like, the mean ones don't win, you know, it's like there might be a mean girl, but she's not, she's like going to get her just desserts at the end her of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, but that, you know, rarely happens in actual life. The bullies are flawed as well. It's usually a cycle, you uh-huh. know, that sort of thing. Nobody's so like, perfect. That That is a part of the reason why the, the populars thing doesn't really exist anymore, as well as all of the other cultural changes we've gone through. Yeah. Uh, there's just not room for it anymore. It doesn't make sense. Because I feel like a lot of that operates on a subconscious level. And this whole movie felt like it was very much from the perspective of someone who would like hate a girl in her class for like having Abercrombie. (laughs) Yeah. Like for sure. It had that vibe. Why else would you be like popping off that hard in your not diary tablet? Mindy, whatever, Sawyer, as a popular girl is very odd. I agree. I agree. I'm like, she's very bro-y. <laughs> like, she's very she's like, like, yeah, very business-like. Like, she seems like she would be like student body president, not like the mean girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a really good actor, though. I really enjoy watching yeah. her. But she just doesn't come off like somebody who would even entertain dating Mark, Marco. No, because he doesn't. Why does he keep calling her is? That is so weird. I, oh, no. He, like, isn't a real functional human being. Like, the whole thing is so weird. Yeah, she wouldn't date him. That wouldn't no. happen. She would be like um, Cher and Clueless, being like, I'm not dating anyone exactly. in this place. Like, I loved that about Cher. That was yeah. so good. She's had to date her brother instead. 
Yeah. Instead, she was like, yeah, I don't date young guys. I date guys I used to be related to that are older. <laughs> I only date within the family. This movie is really bad. Yeah. In my <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's, I was really surprised by how bad it was. I think and it's got, I, I think it's a good idea, theoretically. And I'm the sure, book is probably way better. That's what I was going to say. I'm sure the source material is great, but this movie is so bad. And it's also not worth watching. Yikes. But it's not. <laughs> every piece of this movie, and I mean every piece, <laughs> is derivative of something else. Yep. Every element of it. Yep. There is not one thing about it that felt original. <laughs> not one. No. No, not really. Yeah. What a way to kick off season five. <laughs> you know what, though? We had a lot of fun comments. We had a lot of side yeah. changes. This movie has always had a place in my heart. And did it lose that place today? I hate to say <laughs> it, but I think so. I appreciate the role it's played in my life. It was an influence on me. And now I can lay it gently to rest and never watch this shit ever again. We will be back next week with another episode. Um, if you have a topic you want to hear us talk about, if you have something you want advice on, literally I'm begging you to do advice because I love doing that. You know we have merch still. You should look into it. That's all I'm saying. Just enjoy the rebrand. I'm going to revel in it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, also, um, I want to give a shout out to uh, my bandmate and my very dear friend, Ayana, who took the pictures of us. Um, it was really fun to have her there. And I think it contributed to like a fun energy for the pictures. And I just want to say thank you to her. So see you next week. Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.